And Isaiah um, was is nicknamed the fifth gospel because uh, the whole book, um, the first half of it, talks about um, God's going to come and judge, and then uh, the second half of it is about Jesus, and that he's going to hopefully, if we pick Jesus, we're going to be saved from that judgment because the judgment was put on Jesus. And so uh, today is Mother's Day, and so I was thinking, um, you know, since that was the fifth gospel, we're going to go with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's really awesome to look at those books, not only at Christmas and Easter, uh, but all the time. And uh, before we even get into it, remember when Jesus came, uh, he still had to obey the law. Um, He still was under the Old Testament, and the Old Testament was still prevalent until when? Jesus rose from the grave. Up until that point, remember, there was still the Old Testament, and there was still sacrifices being made, and he was going to be the last sacrifice because he was the Lamb of God. And so when we read Matthew, we we have to understand that this was still in the Old Testament, and he was transferring uh, the covenant or the promise uh, from a physical promise to a spiritual promise that is written on our hearts, not on the Ten Commandments. And so, as we look at this, ah, there you go. Okay, just to give you reference, um, so this was uh, part of uh, Jesus' outlook, and and when uh, they were going around um, with Jesus in his ministry, uh, there's Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Jericho and, you know, this whole region, and he was going places to places with his disciples and his apostles. Now, the difference between apostle and disciple is what the apostles were the closest ones to him. And the disciples, there was more than 500, maybe 1,000 uh, that were there for him in different towns, in different villages, and, and followed him. And so we're looking at 5 BC, around 5 BC for birth of Jesus. Um, AD, for, uh, which is Adonomaya, which means in the year of our Lord. Um, a lot of people say, well, that's after death. No, that's still... It's translated in the year of our Lord. And then Jesus' ministry begins, uh, and then his death and resurrection, and then Matthew's gospel was about almost 30 years after that. Um, and remember, they were uh, had the uh, word spreading around, and then they started writing these letters. And so Matthew is an integral part of the gospels. And so as we look at this, we're gonna, we need to see the backdrop of it. So the author... And date and recipients. So Matthew was probably written around 50, like I said, between 50s and 60s. And uh, Matthew uh, has also called Levi, okay, uh, a former tax collector. And you can all go, hmm, yeah, okay. So this is like if, you know, an IRS person, which I have nothing against IRS people, per se, um, if they came and we would not hold it against them because... Jesus picked Matthew as a tax collector. And he was um, a member of the uh, of Jewish and Gentile Christians, and so he was in between all those. And so, if you go to the next one. So, we'll stop there. So the theme of Matthew is, it tells the story of Jesus of Nazareth, the long-expected Messiah who brought the kingdom of God to earth. Matthew was a tax collector, tax collector. Uh, however, unlike uh, the contemporary IRS agents, the, pub, the publicans 
described the Gospels and had been instilled in the Roman of tax collecting. Now, the weird part about uh, Matthew is that a lot of people hated him on both sides. Okay? Romans hated Jews, but the Jews were there to collect taxes, at least th- this job was, and the Jews didn't like uh, the tax collectors because they were collecting taxes to Romans who were enslaving them or oppressing them. So they were like, you're doubly hated there, buddy. Okay, And so this, these Romans were occupying their, their space, and then these Jews had a job to get the money to support the Romans that were actually occupying their own space. And they're like, okay, you're, you're not, no, we don't like you. And so the purpose of this book, from Matthew's perspective, remember there's four Gospels, and so you know, if, if all their stories were exactly the same, then it wouldn't be reliable. And you're like, what? Huh? So it's, say you go into a, a criminal scene, okay? And you have four witnesses. Each of them have a different what? Perspective. If they all had the same story, you'd be like, something's wrong here. They, they kind of memorize their stories and then nobody wanted to get in trouble. But you want to have different perspectives. So the Gospels are like a diamond, okay? And so as, as one experiences this about Jesus, he's seeing this perspective of it. Now, some of them do overlap. Some of them have heard different things uh, at, the, at the perspective of, of those stories, and so they wrote those down, but it's not in the other Gospels, and that's okay, because these are eyewitnesses of Jesus. And so, this was going to be talking about the Messiah and the right of the throne of David, and that Jesus is our true king, and the ultimate of God's promise. Matthew seeks to encourage Jewish Christians to stand strong and to acknowledge that Jesus and the, and the citizenship is in Jesus and God's kingdom. The key themes of Matthew is the portrait of Jesus, the bridge between the Old and the New Testament, God's continuing work of salvation with Israel extended to all people of the earth, the new community of faith, the church as built and maintained by Jesus, the Great Commission, <laughs> of what every Christian should be doing, and Jesus' five teachings, uh, of, you know, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 of, of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The setting of Matthew is events of the book of Matthew took place almost entirely in the vicinity of Palestine, an area extending roughly of this, um, Philippi and the northern of Bethsaida uh, in the south. During this time, it was the rule of the Roman Empire, and no Jew in his right mind liked the Roman Empire. And actually, not many of the Gentiles either. So, in the the closing chapters of Matthew, it's Jesus' death, resurrection, and his ascension, and to say, this is what we should be doing. So, all that to say, was there another picture before that, Andrew? Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, A lot of depictions of medieval times of, of Matthew as a tax collector, and you see he has his book, he's, he's collecting the taxes, the Jews are like hiding away from him because they really didn't like him. And so that's how he was depicted in, in Roman, I mean, um, medieval times. But we know that Matthew had this perspective that probably nobody else had about detail and about money. And so you find a lot about those things in his book. Now I'm saying all that and you're like, how's this gonna affect like Mother's Day? <laughs> well, he talked, extensively about Mary also. Now, I don't praise Mary. She's not a god or a goddess. 
Um, but she had an example that we can look at. And because she had that example, I think she had a heart and a, a compassion and, 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 and humbleness that we can say, hey, that, that is a, a good woman to look for. And we don't put her on you know, a pedestal, um, but there's a lot of men and women in the Bible that we can look at and say, you know, even though they made mistakes, even though uh, they're human, um, God used them for his plan. And so I think women have a plan that God has for them. And so Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was a cool purpose for a woman to have. Yes? I mean, of all the generations, of all the people in the world, of all the women that have been born before and after, a godly woman got the opportunity to serve. Now, I don't know how that happened. She was a virgin, and I, I don't want to go into details, okay? But it was a miracle. And she humbled herself and accepted God's plan. I think, I think we need to do that. No matter for men or women or children, I think no matter what God says in the Bible, we humble ourselves to his decision. No matter what the world or the civilization or the, the society tells us what this should look like, we should humble ourselves and say, God, you know better. If your definition and your responsibilities of a woman is this way, then I'm going to follow, no matter if I understand or not. I need to grow and mature in the faith. And so God has a plan for everyone. And then it took great courage to actually stand there and say, okay, even though society might not like this, even though I might get stoned, it took great courage of Mary. Remember, they were engaged, and here's Mary, what? Pregnant without being married. Now, in those days, that was a, uh-uh. And, and Joseph was going to divorce her quietly and not bring her to disgrace. And she could have been drug out in the street and stoned to death, and that would have been acceptable. So it took great courage to say, you know, God, I'm a, I'm a virgin, and, and yet I'm going to be with child and step out on faith, even though she could have got killed. And so it took great courage, and Luke chapter 1, verse 38 says this, I am the Lord's servant. Now, it was not recorded if she did argue or question even more, but here's Mary's answer saying, look, I am the Lord's servant, May your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, how much great courage, even if you don't understand what was happening, even though you don't understand it, wait a minute, I'm a virgin, how am I going to be, how, how am I going to have a, a baby? All she said was, I'm your servant. I think we could look to that and say, we, we should be doing that too. Women of faith standing up and saying, look, I'm your servant, God. No matter what you wrote in the Bible about a woman, I'm going to submit. He knows better. 
He's God of the universe, and if he says to do it, then we do it. Now, he is big enough to question. He is big enough to seek answers. He is big enough to say, look, God, I, I totally don't understand, but lead me in this path. And it takes great courage. It doesn't take a weak spine. It doesn't mean to check off your brain and say, well, you know, I'm not going to pursue the truth. I'm not going to pursue questioning these things. But it does take courage to stand there and say, God, you know better than me. I think we can learn a lesson on that. Not only that, but Mary was in the line of David. Go to the picture there, bud. Isn't that cool? I, I love medieval pictures. I don't know why. I just, I, I like to show them. They, they depict it really well. Um, remember when Jesus was born, it wasn't in this nice little, you know, wooden manger, all this nice, clean stuff. It was in the side of a mountain in, a, you know, a trough where animals were all over the place. But. So even Mary and Joseph had to have a lot of courage because would you want to give birth in a cave with animals? Wow, somebody said yes. Okay. He was in the line of David. And here's Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, saying this. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And so if you go into Matthew and see this lineage, this, this uh, heritage that brought Jesus to earth, it is really amazing. Mary's, uh, Mary's marriage to Joseph, the son of David, meant that Jesus as Joseph's legal son, didn't have to be anything complicated. It's just when Joseph acknowledged that Jesus was his son, no questions. Because at that time, when you adopted a, a, a child, it was that he, would in, he or she would inherit everything, no matter if somebody questioned it or not. There was power in saying that you were adopted. And so... When we, when we talk to people about uh, stepchildren and, and, and stepparents and stuff like that, we can point right to Jesus because, remember, Joseph was his stepdad. And he had other brothers and sisters, which were their what? Yeah, stepsister, stepbrother. And so he knew, and like, like the Bible says, he was tempted in every way, and he knew everything that we have gone through. And so I think that's a really cool bridge the gap when we're talking about people who are adopted or who, who don't understand what's happening. And so in Matthew, it, it gives this whole huge lineage, and you're like, oh, all these names, why? Because that was so important to the Jewish culture that he was in the line of what the Messiah was going to be. And so Matthew proved that through that lineage. Now, also, Mary protected Jesus with Joseph. Oh, that's uh, Matthew behind a tax collector booth. Why they had uh, those things protect them from Jews and Romans. Um, this is a really good TV show. It's called The Chosen. But anyway, go ahead, Andrew. Mary protected Jesus with Joseph. Now, Matthew describes this. This, uh, you know, we read this and we were like, oh, yeah, this, this is nice. They're, they're leaving. They're getting out of way of safety. But they had to, like, really get, get out of the middle of the night. They, they had to travel. There was pressure. There was uh, people, you know, chasing 
Uh, and so God protected them. Look at Matthew chapter 2, 13 through 16. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Uh, if an angel said in my dream, get up, guess where I'm going? I'm at the door. Okay, people. <laughs> Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to murder him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Isn't it interesting that they left for Egypt when Egypt was kind of the central celebration of the Jews leaving Egypt? Hmm. Where he stayed until the death of Herod, he and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, of all people, he was furious and he gave orders to murder all the boys in Bethlehem and in the vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Mary and Joseph protected Jesus and escaped. And so I think we can look at Mary and Joseph and say, look, they, they protected their son. They escaped to Egypt. And the prophecy was fulfilled. And then Mary, looking at what she was, she was a woman of faith. And so one of the most impressive characteristics of Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the strength and depth of her faith. Mary believed God's word. That's it. She believed God's word. Full stop. When Gabriel tells her that she will become pregnant, Mary only had one logical question. How will, how will that happen since I've never slept with a man? Pretty logistical question, right? Once she got her answer, Mary obeyed. I mean, that's just... Doesn't that blow your mind? That a woman of faith has the spiritual integrity to say, okay, this is my one question, and no matter what the answer is, I'm going to follow you. Acts 1, 12-14 says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and who? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, she went all the way from saying, okay, God, I don't understand how this is going to happen. I'm just going to follow you. She helped Jesus grow up. She saw Jesus die. She saw Jesus resurrected. And she still hung out with the apostles. She still prayed in faith. Even through all that, even through all the ups and downs of Jesus' ministry and seeing your son hanging on the cross, she still had faith that Jesus was was her Savior. And then they had to be good examples for Jesus. Just think of trying to discipline Jesus. Nope, don't do that. Now remember, discipline is not sin. Okay? The child had to be taught, hey, don't do that. 
And so, in Luke chapter 2, 51 through 52, it says this, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and man. Even though Jesus is God, he was still human. And so the parents still had to do what? Train him in the way he should go. And so he found favor with God and man. Jesus' character reflected those of Mary and Joseph. God picked these, out of, these two people out of all creation, and they still had to be a good example to Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11, and we are called to do the same. We are called of men of faith and women of faith and mothers and fathers and teenagers and young adults and college students to be a good example to everyone, no matter what day we celebrate. Mary and Joseph had to be a good example. Now, they were flawed. They were sinful. They still needed Jesus as their Savior. But they were good parents. How do I know that? Because Jesus grew in what? Wisdom and stature. And then he calls us, as Christians... To be a good example. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, how many relationships? Everybody. With one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Who being very nature God, well listen to this, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't go around saying, well, i got all this power, I'll just do whatever I want. He used it for God's glory. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess Oh, I, I skipped there. And every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so I think we can learn a lot about a woman of faith. Mary was a good example. But I think Mary would have never, ever wanted her to be put on a pedestal. She wanted people to be pointed to who? Jesus himself. She was humble enough in her dealings and the writings of Matthew that she wanted God to have the glory and to point our lives to God. And so, no matter if you're a mother or a father or a woman of faith, we need to know God has a plan. We have courage with God in this world. Remember that family reputation means something. We protect our families. Faith starts with Jesus. And we need to be a good example. And I think that is important, to follow Jesus first. And then be that example for others.
happy mother's day let's pray